Welcome back to another True the Bible episode. It is uh, September 3rd, 2021, still 1032 in the evening. About to get ready for bed. We're going to run, do one more chapter. Uh, in chapter three, uh, we learned about Othniel, um, some more about Othniel. We learned about this cool guy named Ehud who killed this uh, king named Eglon. He was a lefty. He was a lefty. He was a southpaw. Go back and read that story. And then we also learned about this other guy named Shamgar, who killed six hundred Philistines with a cattle prod. Wild. Anyway, so we're on Judges chapter four, and we're gonna learn about one of. I was saying earlier. I was. I said all this stuff about to to introduce this chapter. And I looked down and I realized I wasn't recording. I was recording on video, but I wasn't recording on audio. So anyway, all I said in the video was that my former pastor, uh, Othniel, and his wife, Susanna, his wife, especially Susanna, used to love talking about Deborah. She would get hyped whenever she talked about Deborah. And I, like I was saying, I didn't even know who Deborah was. And Deborah was, and for real, because they didn't really talk about Deborah a lot in church, at least the church services I went to. So, um, yeah, we're going to find out why Deborah's so great. And this, the heading for this says Deborah and Barack. And so I was also saying that I thought Barack was, we were done talking about Barack. If y'all don't remember, go back and read the story in Deuteronomy or whatever. One of those stories where Barack tries to hire Balaam, the one who beat his donkey. He tried to hire Balaam to curse the Israelites. So, uh, yeah, apparently that guy is back. I think we'll see if this is the same Barack. We ain't talking about, oh, no, I'm tripping. I'm, that was Bullock. Hold on, is that right? Let's go back. Let's just make sure Bullock. <laughs> it sounds so similar. Or Balak. That was Balak and Balaam. That was Bullock and Balaam. Here we go. Let's see here. Where is that? Is that Deuteronomy? Uh, let's see here. Just make sure I ain't tripping. It's been so long since I... Seems like it's been so long since I read that in Deuteronomy. Where's the numbers? Where's the story of Balak and... Here he goes. Balak and Balaam. There you go. Or Balak, Balak. I'm going to say Balak. It just sounds cooler. Balak. Balak is the one who hired Balaam. But... This is Barack. My bad, y'all. Like Barack Obama. All right, here we go. I'm going to find out who Barack is. <laughs> hey, I, like I said, I haven't been to seminary at all. So, yeah. All right, here we go. Deborah and Barack, chapter 4. Judges, chapter 4. The Israelites, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. So the Lord sold them to King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jabin had 900 iron chariots and he harshly oppressed them 20 years. Mm. Them iron, iron chariots, boy, they, didn't, they were scared of them things. They were like tanks. Verse 4, Deborah 4.4, 4. here we go. I mean, not Deborah's, Judges 4.4. 4. Here we go, verse 4. Deborah, a prophetess, a prophetess. 
I could have a whole conversation about prophetesses in the modern day church in that title, but I won't. I'll say that for somebody else. It is, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we'll st- we're not going to go there. All right. <laughs> it just, I just cracked me up. Like, I don't know. Something about people are big on titles, man. Like, all right, if you call yourself a prophetess or a prophet or a, whatever your bishop, deacon, whatever you want to go by, I think that's cool. But sometimes it feels like that term gets so thrown around and people all people try to say they're one and and or like the title the biggest thing i have a struggle a challenge i have when i hear that word in today's church culture is um and it tends to happen in churches that have people that look more like me i'll just say that but it almost sometimes feels like the title is people get caught up on that title so big like if they're not called that like you might as well have disrespected them or like the title is bigger and somehow becomes bigger than god it feels like that makes it or becomes part of somebody's identity when our identity i don't know i just had this conversation with my counselor like i told him i'm a christian before i'm a black man before i'm a black before or African American, before I'm a, a male, like my sexual or, uh, identity or orientation, um, my what else? Before my yeah, my nation, my na- my na- uh, what do you call it? Um, ethnicity. Before, yeah, my national identity as an American, American, before my degrees, before my job title when I had one as a banker, like, oh yeah, because I was talking about in general how like doing doing this delivery stuff has really been humbling and I, he wanted to know, like, in what ways. And one of the things I was saying is just like, yeah, I feel like I've been stripped of this identity and forced to no to really not get so caught up on like that. I'm I'm not in what I do. I'm just because I deliver food to folks, groceries, and food right now, and know that I'm made for more because I've done will be considered significantly more in the world. You know, when I was managing a what is a 20 million dollar portfolio 50 different business clients at a at a bank and was before that selling loans at a bank and and it's hard too there's times where i'm like i want it like i it's so hard for me to not tell people that to be like oh i used to be a banker like when i tell people what i do now then i'm like but i used to be a banker and i have a master's in finance like i always have to like say that at the end of every time people ask me what i do so I just went on a whole tangent back to this whole title thing. I said that all to say is like, you are not your title. I don't care what it is. Even if you're a pastor at a church, like that is not, that it may be what you do, but that's not your true identity. Your identity is rooted in being a child of, of a child of God, um, a follower of Jesus Christ first. You're an ambassador for Jesus more than your title. So even though Paul is called an apostle a lot, like he didn't go around telling people, hey, I'm an apostle. I'm a apostle. Paul's here. In fact, he anyway, 
that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But the main thing I want to say is you are not a title. You are a Christian first and don't try not to allow what people label you or what you have labeled yourself to become the root of your identity. Allow what Jesus says about you to be the root of your and who you are in him, who you are and who you are in who you are, whose you are, and who you are in him be your identity. And it's a challenge. I'm t- I just I just told y'all it's hard for me. Once again, when I meet when people ask you what do you do, I, like it's hard for me to to even answer that question because it's like I really just want to say I love. I'm just gonna start saying I love. I love. I love to praise Jesus and tell people about him. When people say to me, well, that's what I do. Well, ask me what I do. That's what I'm gonna say from now on. I'm not even going to use the title saying I'm an ambassador for Christ because somebody say you should tell me you're an ambassador for Christ. I'm not even going to say I'm like, hey, I love Jesus and I love to tell people about him. That's what I do. Now, if you want to call that an evangelist, great. Go right ahead. Cool. But I'm not going to go around telling people I'm evangelist Aaron Yancey. Nah, that's not my stilo, stilo, my style. So anyway, all right, I'm done. That prophet is word is kind of. And it's not just because it says prophetess. It's just, it could be prophet. I'm just saying in general, people get caught up on that word, on these titles. So uh, that's, all right, I'm hopping off of my soapbox. All right, verse four. Woo, Judges four, chat verse four. Deborah, a prophetess, and the wife of Lapidoth. Wow, that's an interesting name. Was Judd, I wonder if there's anybody out there actually named Lapidoth. That's a, once again. That's another thing I was gonna say. One more tangent. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, but not sorry. Is uh, you know how Christian your parents were? How like diehard of a Christian they were, and how much they read their Bible by what name they gave you? Because if your parents name you something like Lapidoth or like my one friend Othniel, you know your parents are like some hardcore Christians, and they like really love the Bible. Because how many how many Lapidoths have you ever met in your life? And how many Othniels have you ever met? <laughs> and who would even know who those folks were in the Bible? Anyway, I didn't, once again, I didn't know who Othniel was in the Bible until I met, even after meeting Othniel, I don't even think I ever like actually looked up the story. I may have read about it, but I never like looked in depth like to who, I knew he was a judge. I learned about him being a judge. But it wasn't until just now, just today, reading that episode, last chapter in this previous episode, that I read in more detail exactly what Othniel did for the in the Bible. So, all right. Deborah, and a prophetess and the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between... She would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to settle disputes. Hmm. She summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, 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 I think is how you say that, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go deploy the troops of Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from Naphtali? the Naphtalites and Zebunites, Zebulonites. Then I will lure and say, hasn't the Lord commanded you? Hmm. 
Then I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, his chariots, and his infantry at the Wadi Kashan to fight against you, and I will hand him over to you. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Hmm. I will gladly go with you, she said, but you will receive no honor on the road you're about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera to a woman. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. And went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. 10,000 men followed him. And Deborah also went with him. Hmm, why 10,000 men? Now Heber, the son, or Heber, verse 11. Now Heber, the Kenite, had moved away from the Kenites, the sons of Hobab, Moses' his father-in-law, and pitched his tent beside the oak tree of Zanim, which was near Kadesh. It was reported to Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. Sisera summoned all his nine hundred Sisera summoned all his nine hundred iron chariots and all the troops who were with him from Harosheth of the nations to the Wadi Kishan. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go! This is the day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? Mm, she was bold. So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. See, I need me a Deborah in my life. This going to be like my, my Mickey in the corner telling Rocky like, hey, you got this, Apollo Creed. What is he? Uh, who's the other dude? Who's the other dude? Uh, the big old, yeah, Mr. T. Who's the other dude that uh, Rocky fought? The big... Russian dude. What to say to Russian dude? I ain't gonna look him up. Y'all know what I'm talking about if you watch Rocky. Alright, verse 15. Yeah, you, you got this. Hasn't the Lord handed, handed the giants over to you? Alright. Them tanks ain't nothing. Them iron chariots ain't nothing compared to what God has for you. Has for them. Alright, verse 15. The Lord threw Sisera, all his chariot charioteers, and all his army into a panic before Barak's assault. God loves, this is one of God's best tactics. He does this a lot. Panic and confusion. That's the thing. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots in the army as far as Hasherah. See, once again, this is another example. God does wins the war. Like We just prepare for the battle. But God is the one who gives us the victory. Barak, I'm going to write that again in big letters. God, per, we prepare for the battle, but God ultimately wins the war. I was going to say helps us win the war, but shoot, he he's like, yeah, he's the one carrying the team in the situation. <laughs> As I said, like, he's the Michael Jordan times a billion with the uh, Looney Tunes on his team. All right, beating up the goon squad. All right, meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent. I still need to watch the new, um, the new uh, Space Jam movie. I have not seen it, but I'm interested in checking it out. My kids have even seen it. I haven't seen it. 
All right, meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, or Heber, the Kenite, because there was peace between King Jabin of Hazor and the family of Heber, the Kenite. Jael went out to greet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord. Come in with me. Don't be afraid. So he went, I never say my lord. I feel like I need to use a British accent. accent. Come in, my lord. Come in with me. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket. He said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I'm thirsty. She opened a container of milk, gave him a drink and covered him again. Then he said to her, stand at the entrance to the that phrase is standing out to me because Jesus asked that woman at the well for a drink. <laughs> that phrase, there's something going on here. All right, she opened a container of milk, gave him a drink and covered him again. Then he said to her, stand at the entrance to the tent. If a man comes and asks you, is there a man here? Say no. While he was sleeping from exhaustion, he, Heber's wife, Jael, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer and went silently to Sisera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died. Mm. When Barak arrived in pursuit of Sisera, Jael went out to greet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he went in with her, and there was Sisera lying dead with a tent peg through his temple. That day, God subdued King Jabin of Canaan before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against King Jabin of Canaan until they destroyed him. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against King Jabin. I want that, boy. I want the power of God to continue to increase in me and our church and all the church believers. Christians. All right, let's read these Tony Evans notes and then close it out. There's still hope for this to be the shortest episode of the night. All right, a prophet of prophetess, a prophet or prophetess, communicates God's will about a specific scenario. He or she tells others how they ought to respond in accordance with God's word. It's a special gift. One of the not. Um, yeah, it's uh, one of the, what is it, the fivefold ministry? The gifts of the Spirit. Not the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Well, let's see, where are, one Wednesday they went over the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. With their seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's... Uh, let's see here. What does it have here? You have wisdom, knowledge, counsel, fortitude, understanding, piety, fear of the Lord. What is, well, what is prophecy? Prophecy. Gift. Of. The spirit. And there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Revelation gifts, power gifts, and utterance gifts. I don't know. I got to read more about this later. This is all in Romans, though, I believe. Yeah, this that's a little too deep for me to go to tonight. Because, yeah, I'm not 100% remembering all this. So 1 Corinthians, if you want to go and look at the gifts of the 
more about gifts of the Holy Spirit and prophecy. You can look at 1 Corinthians 14, specifically verses 22 through 25. If y'all want to go look that up later. Anyway, all right. So a prophet or prophetess communicates God's will about a specific scenario. He or she tells others how they ought to respond in accordance with God's word. Kadesh was a Levitical city. Yeah, in, in um, Jezebel, uh, Athaliah, and Delilah, like a hate prophecy. They do everything they can to, to stop it. That's another conversation for another day once we get there. All right, Kadesh was a Levitical city. See Joshua 21. Which suggests that Barak was a Levite. Hmm. Deborah understood that Israel needed spiritual deliverance from their social reality, and it would come in the form of a literal battle. Through Deborah, God told Barak what he was going to do and what he wanted Barak to do. This brings to mind Paul's insight, which says that we are working together with God in 2 Corinthians 6.1. God's sovereignty, God sovereignly works to accomplish his purpose, but he expects our participation. Too often, believers are waiting for God to act when he is actually waiting for us to step up. In other words, Barak was going to miss out on blessing because he balked at obeying God's command to assume leadership. Make no mistake, if God can't find the right man to take care of a task, he will find a good woman. Many women have had to act because the men who should have been leading the way chose passivity. Man, this is very kind of convicting reading this. Alright. Soundly defeated, Sisera ran to the tent of Heber the Kenite because Sisera's king Jabin was at peace with Heber. Unknown to Sisera, however, Heber's wife, Jael, had decided to align herself with the Lord and his people. Once he was cozy, Jael took a tent peg and hammered it into his temple. Jael knew that Sisera and Jabin were wicked enemies of God's people. And she recognized that a wife is not to follow her husband into rebellion against the Lord. Hmm. Wow. When given opportunity to fight back against the enemies of Israel, Jael took action. As as Deborah Snow, a girl, young lady named Jael, I wonder how she's doing. My uh, former sister-in-law used to always watch this young young girl named Jael. She was so sweet. She's probably like older than I think she's my daughter's age now, close to it, I think, maybe older. Anyway, as Deborah had prophesied in four nine, chapter four verse nine, a of of uh, Judges, a woman was given credit for Sisera's demise. A woman, Jael, was given credit for Sisera's demise. As God and Israel worked together, the power of the Israelites continued to increase until they destroyed Jabin altogether. God and man working in partnership against their common enemy is the principle behind spiritual 
warfare. God and men working in partnership against their common enemy is the principle behind spiritual warfare. Wow. So yeah, that's a good example. When people, anyone doubts whether or not God loves women in the Bible or doubts that women are not significant or says that women are not significant in the word or talked about enough. It's like, nope, here goes a good example. Jael, where I talked about Rahab. We talked about, we talked about Deborah. Um, this is all Old Testament. So, and we're only, what, six books through? Yeah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. So this is, yeah, this is on the seventh book of the Bible. And we already got all these great women. Did I miss anybody? Oh, what's the one lady? Um, mm, who had to deal with Judah's craziness? Uh, what's the dude's? Uh, spilled his seed. Onan, Onan's wife. Why can't I think of her name all of a sudden? Anyway, yeah, it's time for me to go to sleep. She was something special. Of course, Sarah. Yep. Did some great things. Uh, all right, let's go and hop on the Romans road. That would be a cool blog too. It just highlight different women in the Bible and just talk about what they did and how it's significant and how it relates to us today. So what we can learn from them. All right. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that includes you. And lastly, Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I don't care who you are, what you've done, how bad it is, how horrible it is, you think it is, God can redeem it. You can simply ask Jesus into your heart, start a relationship with him today by saying, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Sincerely saying in your heart, saying, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone, <clears throat> alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Dear Lord, I thank you, Lord, for those that just said that prayer, uh, not just today, but those who are going to say it in the future. And pray for, once again, that they would be um, excited about doing an outward demonstration of what they just, the commitment they just made inwardly by getting baptized, even if it's in their bathtub in front of their kids and their family, uh, sprinkled, dunked, however they just, yeah, would do it. Dunking is good. <laughs> um, what else? I'll just pray that you surround them with a good church family of believers, Christians who can uh, disciple them, train them, help them grow. Pray that, yeah, that you continue to give them a, an excitement and a joy about you. 
And uh, just pray in general, Lord, for just the entire church, Lord, there'll be unity, Christian, the body of Christ, Lord, that there'll be unity and not fragmentation, that there'll be a joy and that's our strength. And Lord, we would have the faith of of a Deborah and a, um, who is this lady here? Who took out Sisera? He, Jael, help us to have, yeah, faith like in a, in a, in a um, fear of you, a reverence for you, like Jael and Deborah and a boldness, um, like Barak. Help us to, uh, yeah, raise up more Deborahs who are not afraid to speak into the lives of Barak. For every Barak, there's a strong Deborah who is willing to speak into the man's life and encourage him and remind him of the promises of who um, God death predestined him to be and to, and to do the things that God has predestined um, that man to do. So I thank you for that. And we just look forward to all the testimonies and all the transformation that is happening in people's lives all over the world. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. I am done. It's 11.01 and I'm going to try to get to bed so I can start my day early. God bless y'all. Love you and have an amazing day.